A lady named Joan Bolzen wrote this, and I quote, Imagine in an instant your spouse of nearly 25 years doesn't know you anymore. All the moments you shared together, gone. On December 17, 2008, it happened to me. My husband, Scott, after slipping and falling at his office building at approximately 7 a.m., woke up with profound retrograde amnesia. In that simple accident, he lost all 46 years of his memory, including world history, the kids, his family, and me. Our marriage, our family, our life, deleted. Unquote. Can you imagine? I mean, her story, as I read it, it was, it was beyond imagination to me. It was like a horror story. And yet, at the same time, as I read the entire story, it became a love story. Scott's memory never did return to him. But his wife, Joan, stayed beside him and loved him and cared for him through his injury. And over time, he fell in love with her again a second time. It it really is an intriguing story with a happy ending. I've been reading another story of love and amnesia. In this particular story, it was the bride who couldn't remember all the acts of love that her husband had done for her. He had delivered her from slavery. In fact, he had done ten incredible feats to deliver her from her captor, but she couldn't remember any of them. In fact, there were times that she longed to go back into slavery and even said so. And I'm sure that must have hurt her husband deeply. Once she was set free, her captor decided to chase after her and try to bring her back into slavery. And again, the husband stepped up and miraculously delivered her from her enemy And there was great celebration right there after the deliverance. There was a lot of festivity. But as the days went by and the festivity ended, she forgot all about what he had done for her. She had a terrible case of amnesia. She was fed by her husband and given water to drink by him. But she had a hard time remembering any of that. And the ultimate moment of forgetfulness came when she made a golden calf and claimed that this was her God who, was, who had led her out of Egypt. Oh my, what a terrible case of amnesia that she had and what a hurtful thing to her husband. Well, I'm sure by now you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the people of God and God Himself, their amnesia towards Him. Psalms 106, verse 21 says, They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. In fact, let me read to you some more Scripture that carry on this thought a little further. Psalms chapter 78, beginning with verse 40, reading through verse 
42, it says, How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Again and again they tempted God and pained the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from the adversary. And if you read on in that particular chapter, the psalmist mentions how God turned the river into blood. But the people of God did not remember that. The psalmist mentions the swarms of flies and and the frogs and the grasshoppers and the locusts. But the people of God did not remember any of that. They didn't remember the cattle dying. In verse 49 it says, they didn't remember the band of destroying angels. They simply did not remember. And that would be a sad commentary to have hung over your head that God Himself would be pouring His grace and mercy out upon you continually and for you not to remember that mercy and grace. Psalms 106, verse 7 says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses. Cindy and I visited Brett Parsons in the hospital a week ago after he had fallen seven feet onto the concrete head first. With this head injury, he had had surgery. It was a miracle even. The doctor said that he was alive. And Brett was telling us in his own words about his fall. But there was a certain point in his story where he said, I just don't remember anything from that point on. It was deleted from his mind. And how sad if the acts of God's mercy are deleted from our minds. I want to read to you from another book of the Bible that encourages us to remember what God has done for us. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verses 17 through 19. Moses is writing this. He says, If you should say in your heart, These nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them. You shall well remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt, the great trials which your eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So shall the Lord your God do to all of the peoples of whom you are afraid. Did you note verse 18 in that passage? Moses says, You shall well remember what the Lord your God did. Chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, verse 2. In fact, uh, as we read through several of these passages, you'll get the idea that this is a thread throughout the book of Deuteronomy, that God is encouraging His people to remember what He has done for them. Chapter 8, verse 2, You shall well remember all the way which the Lord your God has led you in the wilderness these forty years. Chapter 9, verse 7, Remember, Do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness. From the day that you left the land of Egypt until you arrived at this place, you have been rebellious against the Lord. Chapter 15, verse 15. 
You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. It's over and over again. This, ex, this exhortation to remember. And my question to you this morning would simply be this. Are you remembering what God has done in your life? I'm thinking if we did a better job of remembering what all He has done for us, then we would be moved to be a people who are after His heart. For me, I would first have to remember His grace that I was born into a Christian family. In fact, as I, as I mentioned to you a few of my own remembrances, maybe it would encourage you to be remembering God's grace, God's goodness in your life. God allowed me to be born into a Christian family. And I know that it could have been different than that. I could have been born into a family that didn't love God, that didn't serve God. And and maybe I would have never even heard the name about Jesus in the home. But certainly it was different than that for me. My mom and dad loved Jesus and they loved the church and they raised me to know Jesus from my very first day. In fact, when I, my mom tells me even before I was born, she was praying that I would be a preacher. And that's the kind of raising that I had. Every Sunday we were in church as a family. My dad was a leader in the church. They taught me about Jesus. They gave to me the opportunity to be in Sunday school and and to go to church camp and to to go to, to vacation Bible school. I remember making calls in people's homes with my parents. I was I was just a little tot. And they would go and they would visit people who had had come to the church as visitors. Or or maybe they would go and visit a shut-in. Or or they would go and visit someone who had been slipping away from church. They hadn't been there in a while. And so as my mom and dad would go to visit these people, they would take me with them. And I would have to sit there on the couch. And I would have to be still. And I would have to be quiet. And I would be listening to their conversation with whoever it was that they were visiting with. I would hear them talking to these people about Jesus. I didn't have an electronic advice to, to have in my hand to be playing with. I just had to be still. And I had to hear what they were talking about. I remember my Christian heritage, my Christian upbringing, and God's grace to me in that way. I remember the night that I gave my life to Jesus, March 16, 1969. Joe Garman was preaching that night at the O'Fallon Christian Church. I can't even begin to tell you what he preached about that evening, but I remember as the invitation him was offered, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my heart, and down the aisle I went, and that was the night that I gave my life to Jesus, and I was baptized into Jesus. He washed me clean that night. I was reborn. I was set free from my sin, and my feet were put on that road leading towards heaven. I'm wondering, do you remember 
the day, the night, that you gave your life to Jesus and that He washed you clean from your sins. Here's something else I was remembering this last week. I was remembering my call to ministry. I was probably 12 or 13 years old when I walked the aisle at a CIY conference in St. Louis. I made a decision that evening that I wanted to go into full-time Christian service. That, that was a pretty young age, 12 or 13. And CIY looked a whole lot different then than it does now. Now, as you well know, the kids leave from here and they go to a, a designated place and they stay for a week-long conference and, and that conference is geared completely towards them. Years ago, in CIY's beginning, it looked different than that. They would go into a city and they would have what, what looked like a revival service for the entire City People were invited. and Now, it was geared towards youth, but the entire family was invited to come. And my mom and dad saw to it that I was at that CIY conference. Every night that week, we drove probably 35 miles into the city to St. Louis Christian College where that conference was being held. And my folks, they had worked every day that week, all day long, and then they would get home and we would go that evening into the city for the CIY conference. And towards the end of that week, after Bob Stacy preached, I walked the aisle and I said that I wanted to be a preacher. I have to tell you, though, through the years, there were times I, I, I was not quite completely sure about that decision. Was that really what God wanted me to do? And, and maybe even a bigger question than that, was that really what I wanted to do? Was I willing to give myself to what God wanted me to do? I, I did go to Ozark Christian College for my freshman year, but that's what was expected of me. I, I mean, I, that's what I was supposed to do. My brother went there. My sister went there. I, I just knew that that's what I was supposed to do. And I have to tell you, it was a great experience for me. I probably, it was the best time of my life at, at, up until that point. I had fun that, that freshman year. I learned a lot. I made a lot of friends. But I went away from school that freshman year still not completely sure of what God wanted me to do and, and whether I was going to be a preacher. And so the summer passed and, and the fall semester was getting close to starting. In fact, there was just one weekend between the start of the fall semester and I was, I was feeling desperate. I was feeling like, God, God, you have got to show me what you want me to do. Am I supposed to go back to Ozark? Am I supposed to be a preacher? Should I get a secular job and, and begin working that job? I was absolutely desperate. And so I prayed. I said, Lord, this Sunday, you have got to give to me a word. You have got to show me what you want me to do. And I went to church looking for a word from God. And I'll never forget it. The preacher got up to preach, and his sermon was, Why does God need more preachers? 
Okay, God, (laughs) I get it. I got the message loud and clear. I remember his calling in my life. I'm wondering, do you remember a time where God has led you? Do, Do you remember a time where he has given you direction in your life? The psalmist is encouraging us to remember the work of God in our life. Can I stress to you how important remembering is lest we forget? I I think we as as a people who live in the United States of America, we understand the importance of remembering. And that is why the different memorials that we have. I I was talking with with a lady this morning who's getting ready for a trip to Washington, D.C., and she's in for a great trip, and she will see so many memorials there. I, I have a picture of the Vietnam Memorial. It helps us remember, doesn't it? If you've ever stood there before that wall and you've seen those names and you have seen the mementos that are left there and maybe the the pictures and the notes and, and the flowers, you can't help but remember and be thankful for the sacrifice that was given by those men and women. And then there's the Korean War Memorial. It helps us remember, doesn't it? It helps us remember the sacrifice that was made by so many. The Arizona Memorial at Pearl Harbor. Have you been there? Have you seen that? I was there once. I remember looking down into the water, only being able to imagine what that day must have been like. December 7, 1941, a day which will live in infamy, as President Roosevelt said, and it has... We remember and it makes us thankful for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice, not only on that day, but throughout that whole war. We must remember lest we forget. And in the Old Testament, memorials were very important. Maybe you're familiar with this. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 18, Jacob laid down to rest and he took a stone and he put it under his head for a pillow. And in the night, as he was sleeping, he had a dream. Do you remember what his dream was? There was a ladder that was extending from from earth into heaven. And, And angels were ascending and descending upon that ladder. And at the top of the ladder was the Lord. And the Lord promised to him that his descendants would be as many as the dust upon the earth and that the land on which he was lying would be given to his descendants. Do you remember where he was at at that time? He named it Bethel, which means the house of God. It's located 10 miles north of present-day Jerusalem. And David, or uh, Jacob, when he got up from, from his sleep that morning, he took that stone which had been his pillow for the night, and he turned it upright, and he poured oil over it. He made from that stone a memorial to help him remember the presence of God in that place and God's promise to him. 
I'm, I'm thinking about another memorial in the Old Testament that was established. The Scripture is 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, where it says, Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and named it Ebenezer, saying, Thus far the Lord has helped us. Do you, do you know about this word Ebenezer? We've sang, those of us who have grown up in the church for years and years, we sing a song that has the word Ebenezer in it. What song is that? Anybody know? Come thou fount of every blessing. Now, verse 2 is where this Ebenezer actually shows up. It says, here I raise my... Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'll come. What in the world is an Ebenezer? I can guarantee you it's not an old Scrooge. Ebenezer Scrooge that you're familiar with. It's not having anything to do about him. The term comes from Scripture. Israel had been defeated twice by the Philistine army. And in one of these battles, not only were they defeated, but the Ark of the Covenant had been stolen away from them. And the reason for which they had met defeat in these two battles was because there was sin amongst them. The sin actually was stemming from Eli's Sons, Eli's sons were priests of God and they were living terrible, wicked lives. And God had had enough of it. And so he allowed the Philistine army to just rout the Israelites. And they took away the Ark of the Covenant. Well, it finally, it served as a wake-up call to the people of Israel. And they finally, they awakened and, and Samuel the prophet led them in repentance. And so there was another battle. And this time, God miraculously helped Israel to win that battle. Verse 10 of that same chapter says, and the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day against the Philistines and confused them so that they were routed before Israel. It was a great victory for the people of Israel. The Ark of the Covenant was returned to them and Samuel then as a memorial to help the people remember what God had done for them, he took a stone and he set it up on end and he named it Ebenezer, which means stone of help. He is our Ebenezer when we are in need. Whatever need that might be. I wonder, are you dealing with family issues or marriage issues? Let Him be your Ebenezer, your stone of help. Are you dealing with health issues? Let Him be your Ebenezer, your stone of help. Whatever it is that you are dealing with, know that He is there. And He wants to help you. 
And once He does help you, make sure that you remember what He has done for you. I'm going to call Anna Toll. Anna Toll Kim to the stage. And many of you know Anna. She grew up in this church. She is the daughter of Kurt and Kelly Toll. And she has been serving as a missionary on the other side of the world. And she's going to do just a little remembering this morning in her own life of what God has done for her and through her in her ministry over the last year. Anna, that God has been her Ebenezer, her stone of help, even in this last year. Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Yes? Okay. Good. So, first I just want to say thank you to Kevin for giving me this opportunity. Um, It's interesting because I've been going through Psalms in my own personal quiet time, and it's been a really encouraging time. And so I'm excited to share with you all what the Lord has been doing in and through us um, in Asia during the past year and how um, the Lord has truly been our help. Um, And before I forget, I want to invite you tonight at 6 o'clock in Tarm Armstrong Hall. I'll be sharing a little more, and um, you can ask questions then. Uh, So come if you have time. Uh, This morning, I'll give you an overview of our areas of involvement in Asia and how we've really seen God working. And I'll put them into three categories to make it easy. Um, The first is in the city I used to live in, Suzhou. Um, Before we came to the U.S., we spent a week there helping out at an English camp at the migrant school, which we've done about every summer. And it was a great time. About 100 kids came and learned English, and they also got to hear about how much God loves them. Um, Also, through your support, we've been able to continue supporting projects um, in Suzhou, where I used to live, including some eye surgeries for kids who really needed it, some scholarships, as well as we've been able to help a local worker start a small library in her home. And through that, some young adult migrant workers have been coming into her house. And after she's built that relationship with them, she's able to start small groups and Bible studies and share the gospel with them. Um, This reminds me just of how much this church and the people here have supported me, not only over the past year, but since I started going on mission trips at the age of 16 to Ecuador and everything in between. Um, A lot of you have been with me through all of that. Um, I just really want to thank you. Words cannot really express how much that means to me and how much um, impact you have had. And you are truly part of the team of people bringing um, people to the Lord in Asia, so I just really want to say thank you for that. Our second area of involvement is in our school. Jong and I are working in an international school. Um, He works in the ESL department and does some translation, and I'm teaching third grade. Um, Our boss is from South Korea, and he's a really strong Christian, and so he requires the students to do like a Devo time every day. Part of my responsibility is preparing the materials for the elementary age students. And so that's been um, a great opportunity. And a lot of students in our school, of all ages, have accepted Christ even though their parents are not Christians. Um, Teaching third grade has been especially challenging for me. Um, As a lot of you teachers know, providing a quality education is really challenging. 
And at times over the past year, I've been really frustrated because I feel I'm spending so much time on education and not enough time in ministry. Um, But especially over the past six months, God has really been working in my heart, helping me know that I'm able to make an eternal difference in the lives of my students. Um, One additional blessing is that um, God has really helped me enjoy what I'm doing. Um, My attitude has been a big struggle, but I just feel like God has really worked in me. Um, And especially this last year, I just had the funnest, most amazing students. And really quickly, I want to tell you about one girl. Her name is Linda, and um, she's Chinese. And um, her parents, she's grown up in our school, and her parents tell her, you cannot believe in God. And she says, I do believe in God. There's nothing you can do. And then she tells her dad, if you would just read the Bible, you'd believe in God too. And she gives him a, a children's Bible that she has. Um, and ask him to read it. And he hasn't so far, but it's just a sign of encouragement that by being faithful as a teacher, kids' lives are really being changed. Um, And then the last area of involvement for us, and probably the most exciting, is our church. And we're in a unique situation. Um, Our service is in English, but foreigners and locals are allowed to worship together. Um, Last summer, our city hosted the Youth Olympics, and because of that, The government wanted to have the appearance of complete religious freedom, so they built a church building right next to the stadium. Um, And then they asked some local um, Christian businessmen, well, expat businessmen, to be the leadership. And so as far as we know, we're the only church in the whole country that allows foreigners and Chinese to worship together. Um, And over the past two years, more than 20 people have been baptized in our church and through the ministry of this church. Um, Sorry, I'm almost finished. Last week I was reading through Psalm 127, and the first part of verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And as I was reflecting on that verse, I felt a wave of reassurance. Um, Through the short history of the church until now, it's clear to see how God has been building, and it's our privilege to labor alongside him in this work. Um, John is involved in the worship ministry. I'm able to do some seeker studies and new believer studies. We also have a small group, and we're able to help out with the youth group, which has students from more than five different countries. Um, And so that's just been a really amazing blessing. Um, This past year has had its fair share of trials and struggles, but the Lord has been faithful in all things. And John and I are looking forward to what the next year holds Thank you again so much for your support throughout the years and for listening today as I shared what God has been doing um, in and through us in Asia. Thank you for your time. Hey, Anna, John, come here. I want to pray with you guys, okay, and have our church family pray for you, okay? Let's pray together. Would you just take a moment and pray for... Anna and Jong and their work. God, it's it's good to remember Anna as a little girl growing up in our church. And she became such a such a strong Christian. I, I I'm mindful of the influence that she has had on my daughter, Rebecca. And I'm thankful for that. And she 
had the courage to trust you and to go to the other side of the world by herself. But we know that she was not by herself, that you were with her. And you have used her. And we praise you for that. And you had Jong on that other side of the world too to meet her. And you brought them together. And we're happy for them. And Lord, we remember your grace to them. And how you are using them together in ministry. We ask your blessing upon them. We pray for those that they are working with, for the young people that Anna is teaching. And Father, particularly, we pray for this, this little girl that believes in you and her father doesn't, and she's encouraging her father to read the Bible. We pray that he would. We pray that you would do a miracle in his life too. And so bless them, Lord, as they go back, even towards the end of this week. Use them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You know, I was thinking, in the New Testament, Jesus established a memorial so that we would remember what He did for us. You know, we've talked about the importance of remembering. We've looked through the pages of the Old Testament and we've seen different memorials that were established to help the people of God remember what He did for them. And Jesus then established a memorial to help us remember. You know what that memorial was? It was communion. And every Sunday we partake of communion as a memorial to remember what He did for us, that He shed His blood and He gave His body. And as we partake of the juice, we're remembering His blood. And as we partake of the bread, we're remembering His body. Lest we forget. And so, today I just simply want to encourage you to be a people who who remember, who refuse to forget what God has done for you. Through His Son, as we partake of the communion every week, but also just remember the blessings in your personal life. What has He done for you? Don't forget. Don't be like the people of Israel where it says they forgot God their Savior and His abundant kindnesses to them. These things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. The scripture says. Remember. And you know, I'm thinking, as we do a better job of remembering what he's done for us, 
as we remember His grace towards us, it's going to move us towards being a people who are after His heart. And how could we not want to be with Him and to be like Him when we realize how good He's been to us? Let's stand together and let's sing.